0: Now in their 19th year, Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003, offering a wide range of products for your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Officially licensed collections include hit titles like John Carpenter's The Thing, The Evil Dead, Creepshow, Jaws, the Halloween franchise, and so many more. Recently, they released an all-new shirt design for Silence of the Lambs featuring Hannibal Lecter doing... You know what he does best as well eating as eating people. people is it eating yeah, people? Yeah, I, w- I would best? assume so i would yeah. assume so it, it it says here in the script that uh we can enjoy this shirt with a, a nice chianti and some fava beans so I, I would imagine he's he's up to something scampy. Oh, on that, that shirt. Hannibal <laughs> always a trickster also coming in august our collections to celebrate the 40th anniversary of classic slashers the slumber party massacre and pieces All officially licensed and all available at Fright-Rags.com. KingCast listeners, by the way, can get 10% off now when they use code KingCast10 at checkout. That code again is KingCast10 and you will be going to Fright-Rags.com.
1: Ooh, that means it's my turn to tell you good people about Fangoria. This classic magazine has been at it for over 40 years and is better than ever. Not only is Fangoria highly collectible, if you get yourself an annual subscription, it comes right to your door. Four times a year, and each issue is filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking past, present, and future, with all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including your intrepid KingCast hosts, from time to time.
0: In fact, I think I'm on deadline for Phil right now. I should probably look into that.
1: (laughs) Uh, I hope you at least uh, know what you're writing about. I have no idea. <laughs> sweet. That is where all the best stuff comes from. Yes, that's the kind of dedication you get <laughs> with your articles at fangoria Yes. Uh, this this high quality writing, this obviously high quality writing, will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine. So if you want to join on the so if you'll want to join in on the fun, you'll need to subscribe. To do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since KingCast listeners are in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your entire order.
0: And with all of that said, let's get on with the show. Hi,
2: my name is Stephen King.
0: gonna break. see a dead body. But sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the Kingcast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name is Scott Wampler and I'm Eric Vespi and we are your hosts. Folks, we're taking a long walk this week, and boy, are we excited to have today's guest on and to join us for it. You'll know him from his work in Inherent Vice, The Interview, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Bob's Burgers, a million other shows, but chief among them, HBO's dearly departed Veep, where he played the uh, uh, very loathable uh, Jonah. We're delighted to have him here today. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Timothy Simons. Tim, how you doing today?
2: I'm really good, guys. Thanks for having me on. This has actually been like a kind of a lovely thing to revisit.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. You, uh, well, yeah, I assume you reread it. So I got to ask, like, you, you know, Veep ended its run a few years ago. Do you look around at what's going on and you're like, fuck, we could be doing so much with this? Or, <laughs> you know, are you kind of... Where, did it end where you wanted it to end? Or like, where, where's your head at about that right now?
2: I think when I, speaking personally, I, I would say that I, I, I mean, of course I, I loved everybody there so much and it was uh-huh. such an incredible job and we all got along so well and it was like creatively fulfilling and it was a good group of supportive people. Like, you know, so for that reason, I, I do wish it was still going because it was, it was an incredible place to work.
3: Sure. And,
2: like every day you got to go in and talk to the smartest people about how to make the best thing. Like that's like, that's, right.
0: It was fucking and funny, awesome. funny motherfuckers too.
2: Yes. Like the funniest, smartest people, like let's make the funniest, best thing every single day. And we had a lot of creative leeway, which doesn't always happen. Um So for that reason, I, I still do wish it was going on. Like for a bunch of heady reasons, I'm I'm glad it isn't only in that, like, Nothing lasts forever. I, I do sure. kind of feel like we went out a moment too soon, rather than a moment too late. Um, right, you know. But everything. that's better, though, isn't it? It's better. It ultimately it is better. It hurts because you you want to hang on to it. Um, but uh, also the the other thing is that. I mean, but besides like, you know, professionally, everybody, everybody always, you know, we all want to challenge ourselves. We all want to do different things. We all want to go on to new adventures and all that part of it. But also, like, I don't look around at what's happening and think that we could be having a field day with it because on a lighter note, it's all so fucking stupid that there's no (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Even just as an example, like the thing. About like Josh Hawley running last night, like
3: the fact <laughs> right. that
2: you cannot fucking keep up with that. It, it's trying to satirize it, and then like from a from a more serious standpoint, there is a part of me that's like we occupied a space of making fun of government when it was a little bit more a little bit safer to do that. Like I mm. I don't find as much joy right now in mocking and satirizing government. Only in that, like our own democracy, I think is in a pretty precarious spot. <laughs>
3: right. But, <laughs> to say
2: you know what I mean, like I, I yeah. don't necessarily know that I want to be adding to the conversation of like here are some <laughs> bumbling politicians and the government can't do anything right. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah,
1: totally. it definitely can embolden the wrong kind of people at yes. this very specific moment. But you know, yes. at the same time, comedy's comedy. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, you, you can't get uh, too wrapped up in in that shit. But you're right. There is something about specifically that Holly thing that popped, th- that popped the whole MAGA thing more than just about anything else I've seen. Just hearing that audience, you know, watching the the hearing laugh at him, yes. and that the, the the press room laugh at it. It's yeah. that the double whammy of that, and then the <laughs> the unedited Trump speech that they released where he's like fumbling and can't say words and mm-hmm. and all that. It's It's really weird how all the attacks and the desperation of like, you know, no, our real life fucking government and way of living is at stake with this right now. Like that didn't seem to to penetrate, but the comedy is, you know, in in Mm. a weird way. I, I don't, I don't know exactly why we're conditioned that way as a society, but, you know, making them figures to laugh at is what feels like is actually like, you know, making a difference now in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, weirdly, uh,
2: it's like I'm, I'm sort of of two minds about it. And that, like, yes, it actually does make a big difference. It's great for Josh Hawley, who is a piece of shit. to be. Uh-huh. Familiar with. Like, that's right. awesome. Like, what a great thing. Like the fact that they cut from him with his fist raised up, mm-hmm. you know, in solidarity to him, like sprinting out wearing a mask is so great. Uh But then also I almost feel like, like with a lot of things, it just sometimes like the Twitter spin up joke thing just, just ends up being like, all right, guys, I actually don't want to be this person, but it feels like we're all like, we're burying the important thing in 1 million jokes about Trump grabbing the steering wheel. You know what I mean? Right. Or like the ketchup, like, yeah, the ketchup thing is emasculating and funny that he's such a piece of garbage. Right. But like... That's, it almost makes it, it almost makes those two things a little bit equal and, and it brings like, it brings ketchup up too much, like too serious. And it brings the actual serious thing down in its seriousness. I'm a, uh, you know what guys, I'm a joy. I'm such a, joy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're uh, we're welcoming the next wave of one star reviews on the, the yeah, show. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we've only, That's- we, have been lucky enough that were our only like real hits, you know, on the iTunes and whatnot have been just been from people on the right side, uh, not right as incorrect, but the right side of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being offended because they came here for Stephen King discussion and got some dirty leftist politics in here. But um, what's
2: so funny is that Stephen King would fucking hate them.
1: Oh, I yeah. know for sure. That's what's mind-boggling. We're not running like a Tom Clancy show, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. But that's been the case, you know, through through all my life. You know, these people that'll like rock out to the Beatles and the Stones and shit, yeah. and you know, and then turn around and be like Reagan Republicans, and you're just like, ah, I don't know. It's uh, there, there is a disconnect there, and I, I sometimes are. I find myself like kind of wishing for that blissful ignorance of people who are like just now realizing, say, Star Wars was, you know, had a political narrative <laughs> to
0: it. Oh or, my god! Yeah, you know, There's it's like are, the
2: yeah. Star Trek thing is the most jarring when they're like, <laughs> <Right>? up, they're <laughs> yeah. like Star Trek is going to be woke. It's like you, f- what?
3: <laughs> just,
1: just <laughs> when Captain ahead. Kirk kissed Uhura, and it was the first. first, interracial kiss shown on television. Right. Like, I mean, it's just like galaxy brain
2: point
0: missers is. is, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's well, you know, on top of all the other problems we're having right now as a society (laughs) is uh, just a a total bottoming out of media literacy. You know, like that. You see that shit everywhere. And it's it's. I don't know, man. It's like every, every, every time I see someone, you know, being surprised that rage against the machine does a political, <laughs> like has political leanings. I'm like, where yes. the fuck have you been? Like, yes. are, are you out of your mind? And I think it's just, you know, frankly, we're just a really fucking stupid country.
2: You know, is, we're, we're very, we're very, very dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm dumb, and I think I'm smarter than a lot of people. So yes, but right. I'm
2: so fucking stupid. And right,
1: <laughs> well, you know, not like
2: you. It's, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah like your Scott's like right. yeah. yeah, really, yeah, yeah exactly. You
0: are a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like no, but like, but I feel the same way. That was the, that's what that
1: right was. You know, <laughs> I think George Carlin had the best line about that, and he's like think of how dumb the average American is (laughs) and realize that half of them are stupider than that.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's
1: like you find the average American and you go, how dumb is that person? And then you realize that that's, that's the middle of the road argument. It is uh, ever since he, I I grew up a huge Carlin nerd. And a matter of fact, that was the first uh, interview I ever had when I was 14 years old. I interviewed George Carlin. So it was no pressure. yeah, it went from uh, me, you know, being like, oh, I'm as uh, you know, crazy fan that was like reciting his uh um his stand-up bits to the neighborhood kids and you know to to get laughs and shit and uh, you know, to actually talking with the man. Uh so like that dude's always going to be a, a hero for me. So I'm I'm glad that nothing skeezy they haven't found like a, you know, a box yeah. of uh of like, you know, I don't know, animal abuse or something, you know, pick, <laughs> him skinny <laughs> cats do, like, running something. a dog fighting ring. Like, yes.
2: Did he try to do key bumps off you when you were 14? Like, did
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't say that he did. <clears throat> no, right. no, but he gave me a really great piece of advice because I was uh, it, it was an over the phone thing. I saw him live and then I went afterwards and I was writing it up for my high school newspaper as a freshman in high school. And uh, and so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go to the show, can I review it? And uh, they said, sure, and I I uh, did it and I just thought in my mind, if you're a journalist going to an event, you try to interview somebody. So like I went up and waited afterwards and his manager uh, came out and um, and I said, hey, I write for a high school newspaper. I'd like to interview George Carlin, please. And he was like, uh, no, uh, he's like, yeah. but. Uh, you know, here's my card. Give me a call. Maybe we can set up something while he's, you know, on the road, you know, and has some free time. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, it's no pressure. It's just a high school newspaper. And, and he goes, well, that's why I think George will do it. And I'm like, oh, yes. great. And uh, he ended up doing it. And it was like a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from George Carlin and, uh, and I told him I was nervous because I hadn't even done the interview portion of uh, like Journalism 101, which is what I was in. I wasn't even in the newspaper. I just shared a, a room with it, and I happened to ask if I could write something. Um, and so I'd never even interviewed my classmates or anything for, for practice, and so this was the first person I ever interviewed. You know, I told him that. I'm like, you know, I'm a little nervous, and he goes, ah, like, you know, I found if you go through life and don't give a fuck, you'll find yourself a happier person. <laughs> and so
0: I, I took it to heart. That's my George Carlin story. What do you think, Tim, about... The dumb problem that we have. How do you fix something like that? Not you personally, but <laughs> do you do you see any sort of solution to to an issue like that? No, mm, no, uh, no, no. I, don't, no. Really, no, I, I don't. Really don't. We're gonna have to put the drug from Limitless in the water supply or something to get this you know fucker what? back on track.
2: Movie I go back and actually watch like a few times. Like I've probably seen it like four or five times. Is mm. Limitless? Yeah. yeah, I think it's good. It's a fun kind of, movie. It was, yeah. I think it's kind of underrated, and I think it was a little bit. I think it was kind of easy to, at the time, write off Bradley Cooper. But right. yeah, I went and saw it in the theater and was like, "That was a good movie," and he's good.
0: Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen Midnight Meat Train? No. Oh, buddy, <laughs> it's uh. <clears throat> so Bradley Cooper's the main guy in it, right? Mm-hmm. Based on a Clive Barker story. So okay. it's a, it's a horror thing as, as its name might imply, you know, <laughs> midnight meat train is not- a rom-com. <laughs> it could be a porn, I guess, but it's not, um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's a, a real gnarly horror movie. And he's like a photographer in New York and basically he encounters this guy, uh, I forget his fucking name, but it's bullet tooth Tony from, from snatch that big fucking footballer guy. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. 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 Uh, and his whole thing is he has like a big hammer and on a certain train at a certain time of night, he shows up and just lays waste to whatever motherfuckers are, are in that train. And um Bradley Cooper, like, sn- like gets a glimpse of him one night and then just like starts, starts trying to find him. And so the story is really about like, what does that investigation lead to? But, uh, I, I am a big fan of that fucking movie. It's it's um, underrated. Bradley Cooper while we're talking about limitless, right. I, I, I think he's he's great. So at who, it. who directed it? When did it come out? Uh, let's it see. Was, it's an Asian director. Yeah, it was uh, early
1: on. It was like I, I want to say it's like one of Bradley Cooper's first like starring roles.
0: Okay, that he's in. Yeah, this is 2008. Uh, why is it not just telling me the intro? uh Oh Jesus! I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this. Uh, <laughs> Ryui Kitamura.
1: Oh yeah, he did uh, a cure. I think right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cure's yeah, yeah. great. That's another uh, underrated Cooper entry. If you're and if you're at all into horror, I would check that out one night. You know, get a couple of beers and watch that, and you will not be disappointed. Can Can I just, uh, I you guys a Jones, sure. Because
2: yeah. I I think we are our tastes probably overlap. I would say Mm -hmm. a fair amount, but I'm wondering uh, if you would give me a little bit of your, your horror tastes. Cause I don't Mm. know if my horror tastes run as deep as others. Although I would consider Mm -hmm. myself a horror fan. I don't know that they run super deep. Like what is your favorite genre, your favorite director, that kind of stuff. Just give me like a Mm. brief overview of
0: that. You want to, you want to go first, Eric? You want me to do
1: it? I can go for, I mean, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I like cheesy horror. I like serious horror. I'm huge. Like I, I thought Hereditary was a masterpiece. You know, but I'll, I'll also go in on you know a, a shitty Friday the Thirteenth sequel, a later Friday the Thirteenth movie. So you know, my my tastes on horror kind of run the gamut. Um, you I have think- to
0: have like a predominant flavor, though, baby.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, listen. I, I grew up in the '80s, so like, I'll always have a soft spot for slashers, and I know that Scott, that's not your, your, yeah, uh, yeah, your favorite. Um, but you know, supernatural horror, poltergeist was a huge influence on me when I was a a, a kid, and so like, I, I, I love anything where there's. It doesn't have to be gory as long as I give a shit about the characters and and it's kind of fun. Like my favorite brand of horror is fun. Even like uh, in Hereditary, there are, you know, moments where it gets absurd and melodramatic and fun. Like it's wanting you to have a little bit of fun before it gets like, Mm -hmm. you know, it really pulls the rug out Mm -hmm. from under you. So um That's pretty much my criteria, but like I'm surrounded by posters for Poltergeist, The Omen, Creep Show, Night of the Creeps, Gremlins, Alien, you know, like just looking around right now, those are the the things I'm seeing around my, you know, that I chose to put Mm -hmm. up on my walls. So, and,
0: and I don't, yeah, and, and Vespi is right. I don't, I don't really give a shit about slashers. I, I find them kind of ultimately kind of boring. You know, I've seen the best out there, you know, the the ones yeah. that people really go ape shit for. And I'm just kind of like, eh, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. that's OK. I, I feel like you see one of those. You've seen a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so I I tend to drift more towards. I love I love cosmic horror, anything that might be that you could maybe file under that, which is more like a like an HP Lovecraft thing or, you know, the unknowable is the horror <laughs> itself. You know, mm-hmm. esoteric shit like that. Like, uh, session nine, under the skin. Fucking, um, yeah, yeah. Would something like sunshine be classified as like a cosmic horror? I don't know. Fuckin I don't know if that's, co- I, I would say sci fi horror. Sci-fi I don't, horror for sure. Yeah, that That's a very specific flavor. It's, uh, did you see color out of space? No, I didn't. Okay. You would like but that. I, um, but I loved,
2: I loved under the skin.
0: Okay. Okay. So yeah, under the uh, under the skin, freaked the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, if uh, oh god, what is that other movie called? Um,
1: Annihilation.
0: Would that count? Annihilation. Yeah. yeah. Annihilation's fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. There, what's the fucking Eric? It's a movie. Uh, a woman goes out to a country house, hires a guy who's like into, you know, Satanism or something to like summon a spirit. You know what I'm talking about, and no. god damn it, that what that's going to drive me fucking nuts. I want to say it's a song of ice and fire, and I know that's not it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, George R.R. was not involved in this, but it was like, oh Christ, that's going to drive me nuts. But any anything that's anything that's weird, anything that um, it sort of leaves the you know uh, the connective tissue off the table, and and requires you to do a little thinking or. Hmm interpretation that I really, really respond to that. Okay. Um, cool. So I probably watch a horror movie almost every day, one one way or another. Um oh. and there's so much trash out there. But like yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes you find a, a really good one. And speaking of which, we are here ultimately to talk about Stephen King today. Mm-hmm. Um w- w- Tim, what's your what's your Stephen King origin story? When did he first pop up on your radar as a presence in pop culture?
2: Well I feel like one of the reasons I'm really happy to be here is that I I feel like I well, I feel like you're setting me up for success. And I, I hope mm. that doesn't put me out, you know, like over my skis here. But um <laughs> like at the end people are gonna be like, yeah, no, he wasn't successful, but like really thought he would do well. Um <laughs> that that I feel like I have some I feel like I have some some bona fides here. Like Maine. I actually,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I have some bona fides for this because I grew up in Maine. Oh, okay. And- Where in? I grew up outside Stephen King's guest house. Uh, Yes. You've heard of Stephen King. (laughs) You've heard of his uncle. Well, his (laughs) uncle's guest house was where, um, (laughs) like I grew, uh, so I grew up um, outside of Augusta in a town called Reedfield, um, Mm -hmm. which is one (laughs) town over from uh, a town that's mentioned in uh, this. So in the long walk, they talk at one point about, Uh, walking down uh, Route 202 through Winthrop. That is one town away from where I grew up. Um, I went to school at the University of Maine, which is just north of Bangor. Uh, It's in Orono, just north of Bangor, where Stephen King lives. So when I was in college, we had a really good hockey team. And at that time, a really good women's basketball team, we had a great women's basketball program. So both of those events were like big events on campus, hockey games and women's basketball games, Stephen King had a box like he was a big humane sports guy. And we'd always see him like outside the stadium walking in. And because uh, this goes to sort of like the question, because we were all like everybody that grew up there, like it's just kind of given to you way too early. Stephen King generally. Um, because we latch on so much to, to people who have succeeded who are from our state. Mm-hmm, uh, right. Like, you end up reading Stephen King in, like, the fifth grade, which is just too <laughs> fucking early. Well, so, depends on the book, but... Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the book, but I, I just, like... I lived
1: know, on I, the opposite coast, and I started in the sixth grade, so you only okay. beat me by a year. Don't get too, too full
0: of don't, yourself. Don't get
1: too cocky,
2: but I mean, like... <laughs> We just like we all had this sort of fascination with him and we had all read everything that he had done and we'd see him before games and we'd be like oh what's up mr king and he'd be like i'm just going to the game son you know what i mean <laughs> you know? he is
0: he is very like salt of the earth that guy. oh
2: god he's fucking great so i mean yeah i guess it would be like fifth grade i think i started with some of the more benign ones that were a little bit appropriate more appropriate, but what was that one about the dragon? Eyes of the dragon. Eyes I of the, the dragon. Dragon.
0: dragon. Yeah. i yeah. of the Dragon.
2: I feel like I read that one and that was like that had some stuff in it that was like, oh, this is getting a little bit harder. And then like I don't know, a beginning of sixth grade I read Pet Cemetery and was like, Oh, I'm just I'm 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 scared forever now.
3: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that that's a that's a big jump. <laughs> yeah that much. Yeah. So,
2: but yeah, so it started early and then it continued on. And I, I think I read everything up until about when I was in college. I would say everything from his early stuff all the way up into like Needful Things and maybe a little bit after that. No, mm-hmm. I haven't read a lot of the recent stuff.
0: It's good shit. He's, he's got a second wind in the back oh. half of his uh, career. The early odds were a little rough. Uh there's some there's some clangers in there but okay. uh
1: even his but, mid-90s <clears throat> output it's it's not that they're bad it's just they become more complicated right and so it becomes a little less like i'm gonna sit down and read you know 1200 pages of, of a killer clown right and it becomes more about like abused women and like real life horror and and then it gets yeah. kind of weird and existential with the fantasy horror element you know it's like he's playing a lot he's getting a lot more complex in the In the 90s, but like in I think what's really worked for him in the last, say, 10 years of the stuff he's put out has been he's kind of gone back to here's a simple story with characters you like, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Billy Summers was a great one recently where he, uh, you know, it's all about a hitman's last job thing, but only in a way that Stephen King can can tell it, you know. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really really psyched. Uh, but since you said you haven't read anything recent, you know we're obliged to here it comes. We're obliged to recommend you read Revival, which is probably the best Stephen King book that Stephen King fans haven't read. And uh, okay. so you know I'm gonna need to listen and hear you place your order on Amazon, or else we're not <laughs>
0: letting you off the phone. <laughs> um, this but, is but, it's yeah, yeah, Tim. This is like a a book that we this is like the signature book at this show. Like we've just been okay. beating the drum for this fucking thing for, you know, as long as we've been in operation. And, uh, my recommendation is do not read a single word mm-hmm. about it before you read it. Uh, cause it's got like a real uppercut ending and you do not want to have it spoiled for you. Um, uh,
2: okay. uh, so i actually, I'll throw this in here. I, my, my sister owns an indie bookstore in Maine and in, in Rockland sort of along the mid coast. So, um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like a in a local retailer, you know, like indie bookseller person. So you won't hear me type this on Amazon, but okay. I will order this through my sister. Does that
0: does that work? If wow, I that We'll have to take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> well, you'll have to come back and talk about it eventually.
3: But
0: we're <laughs> yeah, always no. down to talk fucking revival with anyone that'll listen. Yeah, even um, Stephen
1: King himself, when we brought him on the show, like we we
0: probably threw through more <laughs>
1: revival questions than like it or dark tower or any of the other that's stuff so oh for because sure because he doesn't he doesn't talk about it. it's it it feels like the you know when you're a fan of like a band and you find like their lost album or something that's kind of what mm-hmm. revival feels like it's just yeah you know this was like early it was a early 20 teens right it was like 2014 or 2013 when it came I was, out i was and, gonna say
0: 15 doesn't really matter
1: yeah but it's like it's just the thing that that you know it's this great like yarn it's just this great old school Stephen King thing and it's one of the rare ones of his that hasn't been adapted in any form Mike Flanagan had the rights and tried to do it for for a minute we read his script for it actually and it was great um but wow. uh but that ended up not going anywhere so it's like you know it's just this kind of almost b-side Stephen King you know Lost Classic feels <clears throat> like
0: yeah. I, so um I, I, the you, thing that
2: came to mind while you guys were talking about this is that I was trying to, I was trying to think of all the ways that Stephen King has, um, affected like a sort of like long-term affected me and mm-hmm. like the things that I'm worried about, the things that I'm scared of kind of all have root in his books. Cause they were the first scary books I ever read. But I do remember talking, uh, to my, like, I remember very clearly, like, and I'm sure other people have had this, have talked about this as well, but like, at the very beginning of coronavirus, like because I read the stand in like this uh-huh. seventh grade, I have always in the back of my mind been like, okay, I'm worried about that. That's something I'm worried about. I'm worried about a global flu pandemic. And when it was starting, when it was starting in 2020, I was like, I'm prepared for this. Like, I
3: don't know
2: how this is happening, but I'm like actually the one person that might actually like do okay during this thing because i'm from the <laughs> and i've been thinking about this forever and i'm very good at compartmentalizing like, mentalizing and ignoring my
0: feelings like this i is- love that i love that you thought you had an advantage over covid because you grew up in maine that's yeah. very funny <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like i know i like i know what's going on like don't worry about it i'm gonna be fine
2: don't worry about it i'm gonna be fine Yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: easy. I'm not going to go through the Lincoln Tunnel. I'm not that dumb. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Final question on the on this portion of the show. Uh, Did you read any of the Dark Tower books while you were uh, doing all your King reading early on? What do you think of those?
2: I, I, I have really great memories of reading the one. uh, What's I don't think it was the first one. Can you probably drawing drawing
0: of the three, probably or uh, Wastelands. Wastelands it yeah. was Wastelands
2: I read I read that on a family vacation we were driving to Michigan to see where my dad grew up like as a family I have very good memories of reading Wastelands in the car on the way out there
3: hmm.
2: but I think that was the last one I read well I, I read the ones leading up to that and I read that one and then there were a bunch of other ones right
0: yeah yeah but I think that like if you were reading you know, based on what you've just said, you know, about the the time frame where you were like heavily reading King. Mm-hmm. I think that probably what happened was those were the only three available. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was like a six year gap in between three and four. Mm-hmm. Um and so you probably fell off somewhere in there and just never came back to finish it. But well, three um,
1: ends on a crazy cliffhanger too. So you, yeah. yeah.
2: And I also I do remember at the time like I, I guess at the time I was all because like going back, I'm incredibly stupid. I, I also, I think I lost the thread a little bit. Like I, yeah. I I was reading it and was also like, I don't actually
1: know what's,
2: what's happening. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. You would probably have to start over. Oh now. yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, that, that's yeah. me and like some prestige TV. Like I, I, I've still to this day, have never seen the entirety of the wire. And that's because I watched like the first, I think three quarters of season one, whatever yeah. in those giant like uh box sets and it was dense and you're watching it, and you're learning all these characters. And then like I stepped away for like a month and then came back and didn't even re- know which like disc to put in. Right. And I just got lost. Yeah. yeah. And so and I'm like, but I had enough time invested where it was like significant. Was, like mm-hmm. eight or nine hours where I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go back to the beginning and, and right. start, start again. Uh, So one of these days I'll actually finish the wire now that (laughs) enough time has passed, but I I know exactly what you're talking about there. That happens
0: to me a lot with video games. Like I'll, Mm. I'll I'll get one and play, I don't know. I'll put 10, 20 hours into it or something, Mm -hmm. learn the controls and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I'll get distracted and you know, it'll be months before I can get back to it, you know? And by that time I will have completely forgotten how to play it. And then it's just a fucking chore. Yeah. You know? Like, I started Elden Ring. I, I put a bunch of hours into that, and, you know, then life got in the way, and um, at this point, like, I don't honestly know, like, if I go back to it, if I'll still remember how to play it. Right. And you that's know?
1: so punishing. You have to, like, yeah, be in the rhythm of of uh, dodging and knowing what your armor stats and shit are. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Elden Ring is the wire of uh, video games.
0: Yes. so the uh the title you brought us today is the long walk Mm -hmm. i'm curious uh i'm curious why this title like uh what is what does the long walk represent to you
2: well i think the reason that i think i oh i remember the Bachman books generally when i first when i first read them being very like they affected me greatly right Um, and I guess there, I was like, uh, uh, not knowing how long you guys had been doing the podcast. I was like, well, certainly they've done Pet Cemetery, and certainly they've like you, you've, I'm sure you've done all the big ones, or you've done all of these uh, a, a few times through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think of something, and I'm not, I'm not a scholar on it by any means, but I, I do feel like I could speak to some to something in the idea that like the Long Walk has stuck with me for a very long time in that. Uh, when I'm, if I've ever been on a treadmill, I'll always kind of put it to four miles an hour to see. And if see, I'm, walking, you and if I'm just like, what it has come up so many times. Like if I'm just out like uh. walking the dog, I'll think, I wonder how fast I'm walking now. <laughs> you know I mean? It really planted itself in there, and it's been one that has stuck with me for a long time. So I, I guess that was like one that just jumped to mind, and also. I, um,
0: yeah. Go, no, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, I was just going to say,
0: like, and also just
2: like the ability to reread something before coming on. I wasn't sure if I'd be, I like, I wouldn't be able to be like, oh yeah, the
0: unabridged stand. I'll just knock that out. <laughs> <laughs> Only one person has ever picked the stand on this show, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it was a guy, uh, Vincenzo Natali. Uh, he did Cube and uh, mm-hmm. Splice, <laughs> a number of other movies, but Him he actually. Grass, yeah. Yeah, in the tall grass, and he he had he had worked on the uh, the new version of that 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 came out, uh, which was unfortunately not very good, but not because of Vincenzo. It's funny that you you mentioned the thing about treadmills, because yeah. the last time I think we touched the lo- the long walk, we had uh, who was it Logan Marshall Green, yeah, and he was pitching us this insane idea he had for doing the long walk like you know as a stage play.
1: As a Broadway show, yeah, yeah,
0: and and it would it would involve gigantic uh, treadmills that the the cast would be walking on the entire like an OK Go video. Basically, oh my,
2: that's actually a really good idea.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was like uh, I was laughing my ass off when he when he told us that, but like you know, you think about it, and it's it's pretty clever. Like I'd I'd watch that shit. I'd, I'd buy a ticket for that right now.
2: You know, anytime that there's like a anytime there's like a really like intense physical thing happening in a play, I get, I, I'm always like, hell yeah. I had a friend in Chicago (laughs) who was in a play about like a, a soldier with PTSD. And Mm -hmm. when they, from the, that they would open the house 25 minutes before the show started. And he would already be in there, like in fatigues, uh, jogging in place. And he just had to jog in place for 25 30 minutes before every show and he and like so by the end of it he was like he was just fully sweating and exhausted and then the play would start from there um, uh uh-huh. And he also like through. He was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't. I. I've never exercised. I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life.
0: Because <laughs> I think he was
2: burning like 2,500 calories. Yeah, no shit. Starting his his day, but like, I, I just I love that kind of thing that involves like an actual physical toll <laughs> on performers. I think <laughs> it's actually really
0: kind of fun. <laughs> I'm most happy when the performers are being injured. In so either psychically or, or physically, that's what you're saying. That's yes, cool. That that's is cool. I like that.
2: But I'm also not really asking for that because every time, I, <laughs> every time I see a movie where somebody's like filming in the snow, I'm just like, Oh God, everybody was so cold that day. <laughs> right? You know, like I'm not like every time somebody has to like, you know, get wet. I'm like, Oh God, they had to do a bunch of costume changes. That's why I like end up really liking being in stuff where it's just like, I don't know, you're in a suit and you're talking.
0: um for for anyone who hasn't read the long walk would you be willing to describe the basic plot to us
2: uh yeah uh i'll do the best i can uh in an unspecified future time Mm -hmm. uh, the united states government organizes a a contest for citizens under the age of 18 where they have to walk at no less than four miles an hour from the northernmost point of Maine uh, until a uh, hundred a hundred kids have to walk from the northernmost point of Maine at four miles an hour or more. and if they dip below four miles an hour, they are warned three times and then they are shot, and the contest is over when there's one person rem- who remains alive, and that person, for the rest of their life, gets whatever they want, Mm-hmm. and the contest is run by, um, a, a, a the major is what he's called, but he's just like sort of like a stand. He's a representative of the government. Seems to be kind of in charge of everything. Right,
1: right. Yeah, it's right. like a military state in this yes. in this uh, thing. The yeah, it's this is kind of a, a borderline. It's not post apocalyptic, but it's dystopian. I guess dystopian's the yes, right word. This is a uh, you know, kind of a sister book to the running man, you know, where it's that kind of mm-hmm. world where it's recognizably still our world, which yeah. is kind of what makes it fucked up because you, th- you know, throw on mutants and zombies and, and shit into a, uh, into a story like this, then, you know, it, you can separate yourself from it, but you know, this, both the running man and the long walk aren't all that far removed from what could actually happen. Um, not no. just in our society, but like, you know, could, could be another country or, you know, could be our country. It doesn't like, it's something that you could foresee happening if people get desperate enough. And the government uses this as kind of a, uh, a distraction, much like the running man is a show that distracts the populace, you know, with the promise of, of getting, uh, everything that you want, you know, it's kind of like the lottery system where it's yeah. like, yeah, the ultimate winner, you know, you kind of just ignore the sport of, uh, you know, all these like 15 and 14 and 16 year olds getting, getting shot for having a leg cramp, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's start here. Uh, how long do you think you'd last on the long walk?
2: Well, can I, so there is, this is, uh, this is somewhat unrelated, but it goes to my bona fides. (laughs) Okay. That, that I grew up in Maine. I grew up in Maine. (laughs) <laughs> so, so as I was growing up in Maine, uh, when me and my, my, me and my friends were sort of, we were, uh, losers, I, I think is what you would, is yes. what mm-hmm. call us. we were losers. And, uh, once we were able to drive every once in a while, we'd just be like, there's nothing to fucking do. Like, let's just, there was this triangle of roads, which was like route 41, uh, route 17 and route 202. Uh, it went from Reedfield to Manchester, from Manchester to Winthrop, from Winthrop back to Reedfield. And we would just be like, fuck it. We're just we're not like we're not doing anything. We're just sitting here. What if we just went, went driving around and maybe we'll get like coffee at Cumberland Farms or whatever. And, and then hmm. so we did this for like our entire you know high school existence was we drove these triangle of roads and then one summer me and my friends we were gonna during college we were gonna move to minneapolis for the summer and as like a, a big kickoff we decided that we were gonna walk the triangle and the triangle is 18 and a half miles
0: <laughs> and okay
2: so we set out like at 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 uh, at like sundown And we just walked, we just walked the 18 and a half miles of these roads. And we, we got back at sunup. It took us about 12 hours. Um, we tried to do it safely, you know, because it's like, you know, main roads in the middle of the night and they're like big trucks and whatever. So we like, you know, had safety gear on. Um, but we just walked for 12 straight hours and, um, one of the at one of the stretches the stretch of 202 on winthrop that is mentioned in the book is one of the roads that we walked on so when they talk about no that shit. Road from augusta through winthrop so, sort of toward lewiston like a section of that is what we I, we weren't doing it in any way to to mimic the long walk at, at all we just thought it'd be funny if we walked 18 and a half miles overnight so um that, that touches. So I can tell you that I have a fair I think I would I I don't think I would make it to Old Town. Uh-huh. But I think I would do I think I would do okay. I think I could make it I know I could make it twelve hours.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, you did 18 miles in 12 hours, which means you were walking at about one and a half miles an hour.
2: Oh no! Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So no. I so, okay. So I and also
0: care. you're a big dude. You're you're tall and you got that stride, son. So I would imagine that if you really had to hoof it, you could certainly Wait, more I, than I. I'm, I'm I'm a short guy, so like I would, I would probably you would probably legs <laughs> would be pumping. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> but you know, here's the other thing. If it's me if it's me, I, I, it also takes a lot more energy to move a larger body. Fair. In, in that way, somebody who is a little bit short, who is shorter than me would probably have an advantage. You know what I mean? My well, I'm fat too. So. A little bit more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, so you, you think you wouldn't dominate, but you would, you would go the distance for a while.
2: I think I would do okay, but there's, I mean, there's, I think I would do okay, but, uh, but no, I wouldn't. I, 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 maybe it's just because I feel, I just uh, like, maybe it's one of the reasons the book, like you, you, you know, obviously like you put yourself in it or you see yourself in it somewhere. And eventually I am sort of like, yeah, I think maybe I'm the guy that just like sits down with his brother and is like, let's just talk for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. like Until we get shot. Yes. Yeah. Until we get shot. Like there, this, the, it's also quietly horrifying. And maybe that's one of the reasons it stuck with me so much is, and rereading it this time. It's like one of the things that, Stephen King does so well is like it's just so casually horrifying the whole mm, thing yeah yeah like especially like the 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 heartbreak of like the kid who just like is actually pretty good it seems like mm-hmm. he might be pretty strong but he just trips and cuts his leg like yeah And that's it. Like, that's it. It's fucking over. Like all the, all the thought, the fact that you might be better. No, it's just this one random thing. And there's no, there's no mercy on this. It's, it's a real, I read this when I was on edibles. So like, (laughs) like it really affected me over the last few days. And, and every time, every time I would get back into it, I was like, oh, this is why Stephen King's so fucking awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you like whether or not and like I know like people like it seems like people will make fun of like the way he writes sex scenes or whatever and uh-huh, yeah, like you can't read his shit and not be sucked in and be and given an experience Like you, yeah. you feel them in your body in a way that I don't know that every author is able to do.
0: I I totally agree with that yeah. for sure. And I, think, I and I, I'd like to loop back around for just a moment about this uh, reading on edibles thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, too, am a reader and I, too, uh, am a big fan of edibles. Uh, I can never combine these two. I'm I'm wondering, like, like, what kind of dosage are we talking about here?
2: Oh, very, very light. I've been a big fan of these. Uh, uh, I think they're called like Camino sparkling pear, like two milligram.
0: Oh. I've that- had those. I've had Uh, those. Yeah. The Camino stuff's great. Yeah. What a dream. Sure. But you're like, but you can constantly like, so you're, we're talking like five, 10 milligrams then.
2: Yeah. Like two. Oh, two. I'm like, two. Yeah. It's very, very, I could do that for sure. (laughs) It's just a dusting and it, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough.
1: We need to set up a, a new game show where it's the, it's the long read. (laughs) <laughs> and you have to read one of Stephen King's books, but you have to constantly be at least five milligrams of uh weed guns.
0: Uh, How I was... long do you think
2: you guys would last? Oh, oh not, not very not long. long.
0: So. Not very well, long. I have... wouldn't I wouldn't even participate. I'd be like, fuck that, dude. Like, why would you I don't think I would sign up for this. Um even with the chance of like, you know, a, a lottery where you're winning you know everything you, your heart desires like nah man like i i will get i will i would get stomped out there and uh i don't know i don't want to get shot in the middle of a highway by a guy with a buzz cut you know that just <laughs> <Right>. seems, <laughs> well, seems like an ha- ignoble end you know what i'm saying you do have to
1: put in keep in mind like okay it wouldn't be you now like me now zero chance and me as a teenager like maybe point zero one percent chance because i was a a a fatty teenager as well as uh well as a large man uh but you know but there is definitely a stamina thing because i even though i was a large kid i like i did like walking and i could i could walk for miles and miles and i think i was probably there's um there's a character in this book who uh is a bigger guy, but he's got like all the energy in the world. And I, and uh, he only gets felled because there's a rainstorm that happens and he catches pneumonia. Yeah. Storm. Uh, That's another thing. You know, you mentioned the, the one character who gets cut and it's bad luck. And you know, the fact that luck plays into this is such a smart thing where it's not, you know, you could get a Charlie horse, you could, you know, catch pneumonia. And you know, this, this dude, like, I, I feel like I could maybe be, um, that that guy. If I had enough time to to prep as a teenager, I could have been the guy that would have gone out in the middle of the pack instead of the very first. But I also uh, I'm saying that with full knowledge that I fucking hated PE and could never like run mm-hmm. a mile, you know. <laughs> and so like I walked that track, you know. But since this isn't the the running man, this is the you know the long walk.
0: I I can do a long walk. Okay, cool. I, I, I don't know. Like I'm thinking about you know if if we're talking teenage years yeah you know i still think i would be like fuck that i'm not doing it you know cuz i'm oh, inherently sure. lazy uh but but yeah certainly in in better shape like i remember like when i was growing up i used to rollerblade
3: mm. uh mm-hmm.
0: and and i would rollerblade and i would like we're talking like 10 years old right maybe mm-hmm. maybe 11 12 somewhere in there like i'm not even a teenager yet and I would rollerblade everywhere and I would listen to Madonna's immaculate collection. It is incredible <laughs> that I am a straight man. <laughs> like, like that shit, that was, you know, I would go all over the fucking place. And like when you're a kid, there's that sense of you want to explore. You know what I mean? And like, you know, we get on our exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, how far can we get from our house, you know, before trouble sets in? You know, and I I distinctly remember like rollerblading for fucking like halfway across the town I grew up in or riding my bike all over the goddamn place and being like, well, it took us four hours to get here. Now we got to go back, you know, and being totally mm-hmm. OK with it. I think yeah. about that now and I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> there, there's so much television to get caught up on. Like sit your ass down on this couch. Have <laughs> a snack.
2: I uh, Going back yeah. to one of the things that one thing that I didn't notice and uh, that i didn't notice the first time i read it mostly because i'm probably well because i'm very stupid and also because i was a child um and i was kind of focused on the end result of it of like the oh like the wish fulfillment like well what do you get like that's where my brain went this time around what i noticed was what the like so when you said like you know i probably wouldn't have even signed up because it's not the one thing that i noticed this time around was uh fuck Stubbins not Stubbins Um,
1: Stubbins very close
2: when he uh, tells Garrity he's like the reason we're we're, we're all doing this is because we want to die and like Hmm. looking at it from that from Hmm. that point that like ultimately the reward for everybody that's there isn't the reward at the end the reward is that somewhere even if they're conscious of it or not like they want to die and ultimately that's the reward for them is something that's jumped out to me this time around less hmm. about the act of the actual game and more about just for the people that
0: were in it that's interesting i i didn't reread before we recorded this um but I'm thinking about that, and I'm I, like, I'm so lazy. Even even that sounds like too much.
3: Yeah. Like if I want to if, if
0: I want to die, I'll just shoot myself in the fucking temple. Like I, I don't need to take a hike first. You know what I'm saying? Like why <laughs> why go out exhausted? Let's just let's just wrap it up, right? Here.
2: Let's just yeah, let's just put it. I, I saw something on Twitter the other day. Somebody was basically like, "Cash me out, Sky Daddy." i don't
0: i don't want to be here anymore just fucking cash me out sky daddy let's okay. talk about that for a second like given the state of the world and while we're talking about a dystopian future mm-hmm. um do you ever get the feeling like like you're not i don't know maybe this is too personal but i get the feeling sometimes that like i'm not suicidal in any way Mm-hmm. But I'm. I'm also kind of like I've had enough, you know. I would be fine if like a, a comet hit the Earth right now or and like wiped us out. Or I, this is a feeling that has grown in me over the last few years. And yeah. I, I'm wondering if either of y'all feel anything like that, you know, where you're not like you don't want to self harm, but you're kind of like, yeah, I could. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. This <laughs> is.
2: <laughs> I think that there. No, I. I I'm. Definitely, definitely, it has. It, it's a pretty overwhelming time that we live in, mm-hmm. and it seems like nothing uh, can be done about it. So that's pr- that's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, uh, sure, helplessness yeah. that we're generally facing. But I mm-hmm. also wonder if that's a little. I, I was talking uh, to actually the neighbor whose uh, whose shed I am using to record this we are talking about this how like I this is also just like you know once you get to a certain age you've kind of had all the experiences that you're going to have and they're really just shades of uh, under that under that header and Mm -hmm. like the conversation that he and I were having was about uh, there's this thing that somebody got me for Christmas which is like it's called an it's gonna be like a there's gonna be a free ad for the ember mugs but it's an Ember mug. And what it is, is it's a little mug that keeps your, it's like charged and it has a little heater thing in it. So it keeps your coffee at the exact temperature that you want it at.
3: Mm.
2: Right on. The whole time. It like doesn't get cold. And and what was amazing about that product is that it made my life 1% better. and. Mm-hmm that's really the best that I can do from now. <laughs> forever. Like the big, like the big jumps forward are kind of done. So, right. and there is that thing of like, so you're telling me that we're just going to basically get like, we're going to improve by like, you know, fractions of a percentage between now and the next 40 years. And where I had these big leaps over the previous 40, I can, I can see where I'd be like, yeah, I guess, you know, cash me out sky daddy. I've, I've had a pretty good, I've had a pretty good run. Right. Right.
0: You're, you're absolutely right in that. Like there is, there is a point where you're like, well, I can't get away with what I used to get away with. And just physically. Yeah. You know, like I fucking one time, I got I got shit faced on tequila, drank like most of a bottle of tequila, and climbed a construction crane. Oh like my God. pretty high. Like it's incredible that I didn't die. You yeah. know, I've I've had a billion experiences like that, and like now I'm like no, no 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 that 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 time in my life is over. Like I'm a domesticated animal now. So there's nothing left. Like you can you can <laughs> to live places for if you can't. <laughs> well you can can travel places but you can only you can fuck so many people you can go to so many concerts you can see so many movies you can read so many books you can do all this shit but like you know those life experiences and particularly the ones you have when you're in your you know 20s or or even your 30s are are just like i don't know they they taper off and then eventually you're just a guy you know and and that is like there is something like existentially horrifying about that that you you are going to get to a certain age and then you're just you're kind of done you know you've done what you were going to do hope you hope you made it full or fulfilling yeah uh, but but now you yeah you're one day you wake up and you're a guy that watches jeopardy you know what i mean (laughs) like that's just that's just it (laughs)
2: I do the, I like, it, cause I'm like a, I'm a night person generally, although that's changed because my wife and I have kids. So like, I've had to move my schedule a little earlier. Um, but I am still the last person in the house that's awake. And like, one of the last things I do every day is the, like the New York times crossword from the next day. Cause they like, because I'm on the West coast, they post it around nine <laughs> They posted it at midnight East coast time. Right. It was nine o'clock my time. So I'm like, uh, I the Monday crossword on Sunday night, at, you know, trying to see if I can beat my fastest time. Like, yeah, I'm fucking watching Jeopardy. I don't watch Jeopardy, but I am. <laughs> yeah.
1: Same difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. My in post or in the recent years that my version of that is, you know, I'm, I'm laying in bed and I, I pull up the the new Wordle because it'll be after midnight, you know. So uh, I, yes. I'll do Wordle and I'll do um, the the framed, which is the the frame from a movie guessing game, and that's kind of my nightly ritual now. Oh god, when, when I that go to bed, great. yeah, Fr- framed. I have uh, I have uh, a lot of fun with even even uh, when they they put a bullshitty like here's a picture of a sky is the first one, yeah. Uh, but then sometimes it'll be Big Lebowski and clearly, you know. A bowling ball hitting pins, and you're, you know, it's like, oh well, what else is this gonna be? Um, so yeah, no, I I love that. I, I I get that too. I, I think my, I have a survival instinct, I guess that's just been ingrained in me, like where I don't, like I would want to try to survive a fucking meteor hitting. Like I know that a lot of people go, I don't want to. Like I don't want to put up with that. Just whatever my instinct is. Not to just sit there and watch it, you know, and hope it hits me and kills me on impact. I don't I know, but like, I if,
0: if the alternative is like you now, you're living in a. I guess it wouldn't be irradiated, but it would, you know, the be if like a, a forever a comet, winter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if if a, a meteor the size of the one that you know, even half the size of the one that you know took out the dinosaurs right. hit the fucking planet, like, what are you living for? at that point you're you're just scraping by i'd rather fucking let's let's get this done baby hit me with <laughs> I, that meteor right yeah, in the that mouth. makes
1: a, a, a lot of sense <laughs> yeah hit me with that <laughs> meteor sky <guy>, daddy yeah, <laughs> yeah no. um you yeah, know that that makes a lot of sense but like that's i just my that's not my instinct like my instinct when i hear of like what if you know captain trips happen for real and i was that one percent You Mm -hmm. know, I think about that and I go, well, this is my plan. I'm not going to be, you know, just saying, well, fuck it is going to be too hard to grow my own food and uh, live whatever. Like I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Home Depot and get generators. I'm going to siphon gas. You know, I'm going to do like all this stuff like starts building up in my mind. I don't know if it's just because I have a problem solver mentality, but uh, uh, I just I I'm not, I'm, I I not can never say that I would ever be the guy that's or I would never be the guy that's like, OK, I've had enough. I'm you know, th- this is it. And I'll just go away as quietly and peacefully as I can. But like, you know, anytime I've been confronted with these hypotheticals, I don't go. Well, fuck it. I just want to get it over with quick. Like my brain instantly goes to how do I survive this? So um
2: which is you know, why I don't know. maybe I almost I, I feel like I'm with you a little bit in that maybe and that's why i feel like i might last i wouldn't last forever but i i would i would make it i would i, I would make it a, a little bit because i would i would have to get to the point where i was like one of those guys who's like babbling and basically dead on his feet because <laughs> I'm...
0: Right. like tim robbins in the basement with the axe and war of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah
2: I mean, like in the, in the long walk specifically, like it's like the Olsons or like, you know, like who have just become like shells of themselves. It would be like, I, I would, I do have enough of a survival instinct to be like, all right, we're going to give this as good of a run as we can. Um, but it, it would, I don't know that I'd be able to make the conscious choice to be like, all right, you know what? I made it to VZ and now, yeah, just sitting down. You know, it would have to be like an unconscious thing, I guess.
0: Right. Right. Man, yeah,
1: what a, no. boy. What a no. guys. We're just- yeah, this is such a ray <laughs> of sunshine, this this whole story. Thank you, Mr. Zombie Sir, for signaling in yet another mid-roll ad read. We will be back with Mr. Simons and our long walk discussion very shortly, but first I have to tell you a little bit about. Micro dosing. Now, Scott, you're the micro dosing expert around these parts. Do you have any mm-hmm. tips for
0: our listeners? Well, I want to be clear that um I wouldn't say I'm a microdosing expert so much as a, a, a dosing expert or, you know, a, a mega dosing expert, but there is a, a colossal a time and dosing place. expert, I think. Yes. There is a time and a place though for you know, um, you know, maybe not going that hard in the paint with it. These Lumi uh, Labs gummies that they sent us are are kind of perfect for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've actually gotten some. They've sent us both some some samples, and uh, our sponsor, Lumi Labs, has a line of THC gummies built specifically for microdosing. Now, I've made no secret; I've talked about this a bit on the show that I have a little trouble regulating my sleep schedule between bouts of insomnia and my body's determination to keep vampire hours. I just have trouble sleeping like a normal human being, and I've tried melatonin with mixed success. And with uh, when Lumi sent me those samples, I you know I found that they were actually really helpful in guiding me into slumberland. Like they really helped me relax. I take them about an hour before going to bed,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, you know they worked as advertised. Um, when I say microdosing, by the way, I don't mean like you're tripping balls or walking around stoned. You know this full well, Scott. Uh, this product is aimed at helping you relax, and it works, and I can vouch for that on my part. Uh, mm-hmm. The best part is Lumi's THC gummies are available nationwide and aren't affected by your state's marijuana laws uh, because they use a synthetic THC strain. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST to save 30% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com,
0: code KINGCAST. 30% off. How are you going to argue with that? And free rich. shipping in this day and age—crazy talk in Crazy this economy. Talk, <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, I think that's it for our mid-roll. You ready to get back into this long walk discussion? Let's do it. But something that that uh, I, I did want to bring up since you mentioned the you know that uh, Stebbins has that that uh, line about you know we came here to die. I think that there's, it's really interesting that this isn't, uh, you know, uh, open to everybody. This is a, a specifically for teenagers, right? The, yeah. This contest. Um, and I do think that you have, you know, that that's a good deep thing to comment on. And there are people there that clearly went expecting not to win, um, and comfortable with their death, but there's also people there that are just completely confident in the way that only you know headstrong especially male yes. teenagers can be yeah uh, how they they are the best they are immortal they are going to make it to the end and they you know everybody else sucks you know that's something that you know isn't unique to king's generation of you know that he's drawing from you know as a mm. teenager you know it's like mm-hmm. this is this is that that kind of headstrong thing i do think that there's a portion of the people in the story you know, that are using this, you know, can, this is the death by cop, death by military police, yeah. you know, thing. But I also think that a good chunk of them, if not the majority, legitimately think that they're going to win and that everybody else sucks and they're the best, um, which, again, good. is a very honest and authentic uh, portrayal of of being at that age. So. And it makes
2: that sort of that Stebbins moment when he actually describes to them what it looked like to see the end of a long walk yeah that makes that moment really Mm -hmm. powerful because you you can tell that some of the kids like hadn't actually considered it what it what those last moments if they are lucky enough to make it to those last moments like what they're gonna what they're gonna look like and what they're gonna feel like and that moment i really thought was particularly affecting
3: this time around
2: was him. And they were like kind of yelling at him to shut up, but it's like, guys, I don't know what, I don't know what you thought you were signing up for. Right. Right. (laughs) Seven
0: gets to be the voice of reason and the old soul. Yeah. You know, this was published in 79. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the idea that I guess I've never really examined or like stopped to think about the fact that it's all teenagers, but this is, you know, this has gotta be his, his take on Vietnam. Right.
1: Yeah, well it was published in 79 but it was also it was written in his freshman year of college. Th- this is why I think The Long Walk is Stephen King's first masterpiece. This is first written masterpiece, maybe not first published, I think. First published masterpiece is uh K- uh not Carrie, uh Shining. Um I right. think Carrie's great, I think Salem's Lot, you know, is has got a lot of great stuff in it. Uh The Shining is where it's like, "Oh, this is this is the guy that's going to lead the pack for 40 years right
3: Mm -hmm.
1: um and then the stand i think is a masterpiece but like the long walk is to me it's it's as complete it's the best bachman book by a country mile um it is to me it's up there with the best of, of stephen king's stuff and you know if you look at anything that he writes about that era um where he was in college and going back to college is always about Vietnam. So I think you're absolutely on something hearts in Atlantis has to focus on Vietnam, you know, and and anything where he's pulling from his own college years almost always goes back to Vietnam.
0: So I under, I understand that that is explicitly about Vietnam, but if he wrote this in 66, 67, you know, and he was in fucking college, you know, so he was primed for this. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a thinly veiled allegory, right? Like sending all these teenagers to their deaths. Um, you know, the 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 country sort of finding, you know, some sort of sport in it. I don't yeah. I don't think that um that was necessarily the, the tenor of the country um at the time, you know, like people you know. This is before my time, so I, I, I can only speculate, but my understanding is that, you know, uh, people weren't thrilled about it, <laughs> you know, and. Well, the youth wasn't for sure, but like,
1: for, you know, the, the whole hometown hero aspect of it is, is you know, pure Vietnam. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're a hero for signing up for this and, and you know, we're going to, you're going to get fame and celebrity. There's going to be a parade for you when you go through your hometown, you know, that that kind of thing. That's. You know, I think that's very, very much drawing on what he was seeing around himself there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if we get him back on the show, I'd love to to actually grill him about that in particular, because, again, I just you read this and this is it's not clunky like rage or uh, road work or some of the other Bachman books. Yep. Um, and it's in its dark, but it's also it has the little bit of Stephen King hook that something like the running man doesn't have. Like, I think the running man's a really great story, but, uh, when you're talking about the Bachman stuff, like the long walk is the one that should have signaled to everybody that this dude was for real. And it all comes down to the characters because you give a shit about these kids. They mm-hmm. feel real. They feel authentic in, in you know, in are turning pages because like what's going to happen next at any point, anything can happen. It, it's like this beautiful, you know, uh, I don't know, tension piece. And so, Um, I don't know, like this is one of my all time favorites. So whenever, uh, Scott told me that you were, you were interested in talking about this one, my ears perked up and I was, I I was very, very happy to, to revisit this.
2: I agree with you. I think there is something really amazing about the, like the, something that, that I, Stephen King from, even though I haven't read a lot of him recently, what he was always really good with details and world building. And he doesn't have a lot of space here because it's a short story. But I always he gives you enough to like paint in the horror of the world that everybody's in. Mm -hmm. But but he doesn't he just doesn't have the space to 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 belabor it or to give you the history of why it's like that or anything. It's just he just kind of says this is what's happening and lets you fill in a lot of blanks, which is always much more terrifying. I had not actually considered the Vietnam thing. I had not considered the timeline and it really does make sense. One of the things I was thinking about, it was like, well, if this was written today, there's no way like you'd kind of have to have like a female character or, Mm -hmm. or why isn't it open to everybody? Why is it just kids? But if it is, if it is a Vietnam, it does make a lot of sense. Like the fact that these kids are all being shipped off to a pretty, Early death, but are being cheered on by their hometowns, and everybody is celebrating right. them. And the older people are are into it in the way that like the older people in Vietnam would have been World War II veterans, and they right. Would, right. they would have still had like that sort of view as like an honorable soldier, but not knowing how awful Vietnam was. Like it is a pretty good point you're bringing up about the uh, about the Vietnam thing.
0: I'm willing to bet that's exactly what he was thinking when he wrote this. You know, speaking of The Running Man, I feel like I don't know. Tim, have you read The Running Man? Uh, I did back when, but I haven't read it recently. I think I like The Running Man more. I like oh, I love the okay. I love the long walk, but there's something there, you know, Bachman is 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 pulpy, right? It's right. I, I've described uh him like the persona of Richard Bachman as like on the show before is like Stephen King, basically wearing a snake pliskin costume. You know, he's like (laughs) grizzled. He's got a cigarette and an eye patch and he's just like pissed at the world and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, that's not the, the same Spielbergian feel you get from a lot of, a lot of King shit. Um, and I feel like, uh, while all of it is pulpy, I think running man is a little pulpier and, uh, something about that that concept rings very true to me you know we've we've definitely talked on the show but like any anytime we've covered the running man about like what the likelihood of of a, a show like that ever existing is i i feel like the running man is more likely to happen than the long walk and that makes it scarier to me okay You know, like I can imagine, I can imagine a scenario where we're hunting people for sport on, you know, Fox at seven PM. Right. You know, every (laughs) Thursday. It would be a streamer. Come on, it's it's going to be the
1: floor is lava, but for real this time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But but actual lava. You're right. Right. (laughs) The long walk is 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 more. uh, uh, What's the word? It's more abstract. You know, I, the, 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 the sequence of events that would have to lead us to a point where, you know, the military is, is getting a hundred teenage boys together and making them walk until they die. Like that's, that's more fantastical to me than the running man where it's, you know, it's basically a gladiator sport. And, and so I do think, I, I, I think I prefer that one. Um, but even yeah, on think, a
1: craft level or just on uh, purely on the no, story I th- level. I th-
0: well, I think The Long Walk is better written. I and I think it has the better ending. But I'm what I'm responding to is the pulp of it and right, right. and the uh the likelihood of it happening. You know, like I said, it just it makes it more um, if it's believable, it's more profound to me. You, you know, know?
2: It's, You know what's funny about that is that it, it, I think you're I mean I think you're right in that maybe the the running man my memory of the running man is that it was more unbelievable and more pulpy than this and maybe it's just a credit to his writing in the long walk that that the long walk seems a lot more simple and grounded and realistic at least from my memory but you are right in that we aren't it doesn't seem like the leap to the long walk happening in real life seems much larger than the leap. oh yeah yes some sort of like televised blood sport in that the more and more like uh this is a, a thought i'm forming in the moment but like the more and more that we as like a, a society are allowed to see things on video and they become like real shit, like not video games or horror movies or whatever but like uh, you know this again man guys what a joy what a joy <laughs> Like
0: no, 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 that's that we, what that's what
2: this is for the fact that we have been subjected to like first person videos of mass shootings of actual mm-hmm. shootings, right the more and more we get desensitized to that kind of real violence i do kind of feel like the closer we get to something like this you know i yeah. I, don't, I again it might seem hyperbolic to even say that but i think you it is i don't I think it is it is funny that the the one of my memory being pulpier and less realistic is the one that is where well, you're right. Maybe probably more realistic that it could happen.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think- it wouldn't happen in the way that he writes, writes about it. It's probably closer. Oddly enough, the Schwarzenegger movie is probably yeah. closer to oh, the, the sure. version of running man we would get. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when that's come up, it's, it's for sure. And there, there's an appetite for, if, if it happened next week, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? It's like people, there would be outrage and uproar about it, but you know what? Fucking it'd have huge ratings when it comes out. Everybody'd fucking watch it. As Scott said, it goes back to kind of the the gladiator blood sport of it, you know? And, you know, the comparison I've made is, you know, people watch NASCAR to see wrecks. You know, people, you know, people, nobody would say, I want to see somebody die. But, you know, when you watch boxing, you want to see blood, you want to see somebody get fucked up and then you watch you watch you know MMA you want you see blood on that mat and you want to see broken bones you know it's like you might say you don't want somebody to die but you know if it happened in that instant in the moment you you would feel feel a thrill and i think people recognize that and that's something you kind of have to grapple with that, you know and and how fucked up that is and it's part of human nature of like watching you know an ultimate competition kind of thing mm-hmm. like you you get invested in in a way it's it's uh it's fucked up but it's true
2: can I this can is I a, bring a, up something that you guys are probably going to hate? Sure. sure. Do you guys, do, are you golf people at all? Do you guys like golf at all?
0: No.
1: Can't say I do. No. Okay. Um, the blood sport I, of golf. Where's this going? Fun. I'm very <laughs> curious. I'll
2: I, I bring this up and I, it's a kind of a complicated thing, but I, I'm going to say I, I don't wish to alienate either the hosts or the audience. Saying <laughs> that Golf's fucking awesome. It's like the yeah. greatest. It's so much fun. Like um,
0: how, how is it awesome?
2: Oh man, it is both in, it's all feel based and technique at the same time. Like it's, it is a, it is a mental, it is an absolute head fuck of a mental game. Um, and nothing feels, it's incredibly hard to do, but yes. nothing feels better than the one time you are able to do it correctly every time you're playing. Mm. And there's maybe one or two times where you actually do it it's 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 great
0: It's like so how often are you feeling that when you play golf?
2: I, I would say once or twice around you hit a shot that was like that was perfect and, and is that
0: because of your technique or, or are you getting lucky It's because of technique
2: ultimately okay it's because of minuscule adjustments that you have made in both your mental and physical self that mm-hmm. have led to both a Uh, like an oral meaning like, uh, like you like a sound, there is a sound that the club Mm -hmm. hits the ball in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And also the way it feels. Both yeah. the way your body's moving and the way the report of the ball hitting the club. Anyway, this is.
1: Yeah. I know what you're talking about, at least from like a driving standpoint, because I've done like top golf and stuff with friends. And even though I haven't played real, real golf uh, since I was a kid, my my grandpa was super into golf. So like he he took me on a couple things back when I was like 13, 14, and uh, I was never any good at it. But I know exactly what you're talking. There's a vibration that goes up the club in your. In, into your hands whenever you hit it right, and just seeing the ball arc, there, there is a thrill.
0: I, it's I know very, it's thrilling,
2: there. but there is a thing going on in golf, and I'm sure everybody can look it up. And I'll try to distill it as as much as I can. But basically, like the uh, the Saudi government is sports is is basically buying up professional golf by throwing obscene amounts of money at golfers, and they are. Um, and they're taking it. And it is it is like, like to
0: go over there and play.
2: They are basically starting up a rival tour to the PGA tour. And mm, a the, word. the hope for the Saudi government is that that they can just buy more and more people so that when you talk about the Saudi government, you're not talking about how much you don't like that they bone sawed a journalist (laughs) that you're you're talking about how much you like the live golf tour. All right. So what, what's shocking about it is that for like the, the amount of money that they are throwing at it is, is obscene and, and is, is really like, um, it is, it's obscene. Uh, that the amount of money that they're giving the people to go do it. And they really are like they are buying this. They are buying the souls of the people that that join them. Everybody that joins has an excuse of like, oh, I'm just trying to grow the game or whatever, like they have an excuse for why they're doing it. But they are just being they're being bought um, and they are being used as a, a human shield by the Saudi government. But what is amazing about this entire thing? And as a golf fan, it's very frustrating is that people that like if you got paid 200 million dollars and you get up there and you say the shit that some of these guys are saying i'm like all right you got up there and you got 200 million dollars to sell your soul and sell and say that shit but there are so many people who are willing to ride for these guys for free there are Hmm. like golf fans who are like who cares take the money and it just points to like a there are very few like morality black and whites, but this seems like a one that really is pretty close. And so many people are failing the morality Mm. test there. And, and that's why it also makes me think like, not only could the running man happen, but you could have people that would not like from the sidelines, get on board so easily like they would not Oh, care. of course they would not care at all because whatever maybe there's profit in it or maybe ultimately they want to be a producer on the show but even if they're never they're just like i'm just happy that somebody else is getting money and i don't care how
0: or why mm-hmm. you know what i mean you know absolutely and i i think that's you know never mind golf i think that's you know uh, indicated by fucking everything going on right now Yes, you know, like this is a unique time in in my lifetime at, at least. You know, I'm I'm sure there's there have been other notable points where such things have happened, but um, it it you know people have lost their fucking minds and they're willing to sell out for anything for you anything. know and anything
2: the, for anything and the idea has like at least back I mean like I'm sure this was all happening before but it seems like back then we could at least be like yeah but we all agree that guy's a piece of shit you know what I mean
3: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> like the large people be like oh yeah like that's happening but that guy fucking sucks and everybody hates him and he has to and now it seems like half the world is like no actually, that guy's doing the right thing. Oh my god. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Do you
1: do you remember the first time in recent memory that you heard that where it's just like the commonly accepted uh you know, this guy is is bad actually. Uh like was challenged because I I have a specific example where I, it was some argument I got on on the early early days of Twitter. So we're talking like 2000 what nine ten 10 or whatever. And I, and I was making something, some sort of comment about uh, McCarthyism. And like, I legitimately got challenged by somebody going, well, no, McCarthy was right.
0: Jesus and I was just like, what? fucking Christ, like, good like, Lord. In
1: a, it, and it took me back because I thought he was just trolling <ghost> me. But he, like, this dude was legitimately serious. Is like, well, no, you know, he was doing the right thing to protect the country. And like, mm-hmm. I like i couldn't that that's like you know that's the the real life version of you know hitler had some good ideas yeah sure yeah and it's just like to actually be confronted with that not just as a hypothetical or you know somebody just trying to get a reaction or whatever like it really did fucking you know make me take a step back and go like what the hell you know is going on out there right now you know
2: I mean, yeah, no, we are up through the fucking looking glass on that type of shit of like, actually, McCarthy was good. And you know what? I, we're going to end up feeling so stupider than we already feel going into this because like three weeks from now, somebody's going to announce the long walk and we're going to be like, oh, fuck, we didn't think it would go that far. Well, <laughs> that's
0: a perfect lead into my next question, which is like. Okay. So The Long Walk is presented as entertainment in (laughs) this dystopian society, just like The Running Man. So would you watch it?
2: Here's what I can say I would hope. Right now, no. (laughs) I would not not watch it. But I don't know that my 16-year-old self would be able to pull the humanity that I think I have now I would understand the human cost behind it and I would not. But right. I don't know you wouldn't
0: whether. even get you wouldn't even get curious.
2: I mean I would be curious for You sure. watch
1: a highlight reel at least. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the the best 99 the best
0: headshots best. all strung I, yeah. together
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> having arguments with your friends about like which death was the best over like Yeah
0: or like rooting for one player over another like I can yeah. I, I, again, I think Running Man is more likely, but I can imagine also the thought process that would go into a viewer of The Long Walk. It's not hard to imagine.
2: It's not hard to imagine. And I could definitely see like my 16 year old self not being able to actually, my 16 year old self would watch it. But I got to tell you, I can't even really watch a lot of things that involve like, like watch, have you ever seen somebody actually filming like a TikTok dance video, like in the world? Out in
3: the <laughs> yeah. It sucks. it sucks. I can't even watch that.
2: Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I would be able to, like, I can't really, I have a very hard time watching real people embarrass themselves in any way. So I don't know that as of right now, my own self would be able to get on board with watching this. I feel like I would, hmm. just, I would go and I would like, I would shut down.
0: I think mm. in the, in the past when we've talked about this in relation to the long walker, the running okay. man, you know, I've been like, I think curiosity would ultimately get the better of me and I would have to watch it. And then I'd be like really rattled the first time I saw some real shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you brought up a point earlier about like, uh, how frequently we're seeing like mass shooting videos or, mm-hmm. you know, cops fucking just gunning motherfuckers down in yep. the streets. And, I, you know, when you said that, I was thinking about, um, you remember when that guy shot up the mosque yep. in uh, New Zealand? Okay, so, I, you know, I'm on Twitter that day. I'm always on Twitter. Uh, but the, the video popped up in my feed. Someone retweeted it or something. Yeah. And sure. I, I caught just enough of it, like on an autoplay thing. That it really fucked me up. Like like uh, my wife got home that day from work and I was I like, she, you know, what did you do today? And I'm like, I, and I was like, I, I, I saw a thing online that really fucked me up. And then I ended up like fucking sobbing in the, in the front hallway of our house and like, you know, kind of pushing her away. Like, you know, it really fucking yeah. fucked me up. You know thinking about it that way i don't know like knowing that about myself now um i feel less certain that i would that i would tune in but i also know that i'm a morbid motherfucker. you know yeah. and and yeah. eventually i fuck, i don't know i know myself well enough that i'd be curious i think i'd be upset with myself about it afterwards for for doing it but i think that i would watch i wouldn't watch the long walk but i think i would probably tune into the running man once or twice you okay. know depending depending on like the circumstances if you show if you presented a version of the running man to me where like every single contestant on the show was like say a rapist or a pedophile you know no problem yeah 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 i'll tune in you know, like fuck these people up, you know but uh but but still real world violence is it takes a toll on you to see it, and I don't think i'm i I still don't think I'm completely desensitized to it,
2: yeah, and I actually think that as much as as i i, I like I'll say this i think even as much as you would say like if it was rapists or pedophiles that you would i feel like if you actually there is a part of me that thinks. I would agree with you like oh yeah man fuck that that you know fuck them but actually seeing it like yeah there is a cost like there is there is like there's a cost there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I will say like I saw that video of the of the mosque in the exact same circumstances an autoplay that I didn't really agree to and that has and now that can't like really be undone and there was a cost to seeing it like I don't know that I yes I don't know that I needed to and now there is a cost
0: it deducts a certain percentage from your soul to see a thing like that
2: and I think even if it was like rapists and pedophiles there would be that thing or like this come this this comes at a cost by watching and cheering for it and also I I feel like this is like a much uh, much like toned down Version of it, but like trying to engage with social media in such a way. I'm sure this is something that people fucking say all the time, and people people are always trying to in- examine their relationship with social media or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I see it happening even with people that I agree with, and I see it happening in myself. Like a like a, a lack of uh, like a, humanity, a lack of humanity in an argument for more humanity. And, mm-hmm. and right, fight That's where I'm like, okay, guys, I think we're losing the fucking thread here. Like, yes, I, I, but I understand. Like, I, I have to fight that part of me, like that needs punitive damage for, yes. for something. You know what I mean? Like to yeah, see, absolutely. A, like a a an, a one for one comeuppance or or whatever. I I have to fight that myself, so I understand it. But um, but man. Guys, everything's going great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh,
1: you, you're not wrong. I never had the uh, the mosque video. I never saw any of that shit, and I have no plans on doing that. But I did, like, have a, an, an, as an idiot, like, 20-something-year-old, like, when uh, some of the, like, Al-Qaeda beheading videos or whatever oh, the went Daniel out.
0: Pearl video.
1: Yeah, and and you know, and I I was just like, Oh, well, it can't be, you know, that bad or whatever. I watched Faces of Death when I was a teenager. I can handle this or whatever. And I watch it and I still fucking like images from that like haunt me to this day. You know, it's like I
0: I did that exact same fucking thing. You know, morbid curiosity got the better of me. There was a link right in front of me. I was like, Well, I'll check this out. And boy, I have regretted it ever since. One of the (laughs) probably the not worth it. Probably the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Like
2: The only reason I haven't, and I'm assuming we're probably uh, around the same age, like I think uh, it was exactly the thing, like at some point a link, but I I feel like I I had talked to three or four people who had had the exact same experience you had had (laughs) before that link was in front of me. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait and think about it. And I didn't, and then I didn't, and I didn't. And somehow I've just, but I'm, but yeah, everybody that has ever talked about it or has seen it has said the exact same thing. And that's just like the one that I've been
0: able to avoid. Right. Yeah, you were smart to do that. Like never, ever, ever. Have you seen Grizzly Man? <laughs> with fucking. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know, yeah, of course. And Werner's like, Verner's like you, you must, you you must never watch this tape. Like <laughs> yeah, never ever do that. Right. Absolutely not.
2: Even in that situation, like there is like Werner Herzog. It was Werner Herzog, right?
0: Yeah. Like,
2: he listens to it. Yeah. And I don't know like what is the like what is the separation there? Like, was there a cost for him to listen to it? To be able to say that? I, I don't know. Well,
0: I or think that's different or I mean, I don't know Werner Herzog, but I know a lot about him and I'm willing to bet that that guy has a stronger constitution than most people, you know, um, he has seen some horrific shit in his life. And so I imagine, you know, this guy fucking around with bears out in Alaska or wherever it was, I don't think it phased him. I think he's doing that that woman of favor. I think it's, yeah. it's Treadwell's sister, right? Like, yeah, that he's, I so. yeah, I, you know, he's, he's doing her a service and I don't get the, I didn't get the impression and it's been years since I've seen it, but I, I didn't get the impression that, um, it was, that he was too rattled by it. It was okay. just, he was sparing somebody else. Um, that would be my take. I could be completely wrong, but
3: that's, that that's my
2: I- guess. One thing that I do like about Stephen King is, and like reading the long walk, like he is a, he is good at, he's good at giving you something in a way that's like entertaining and that you want to read, but that doesn't let you off from the actual horror of the moment. Like thinking about the one guy that everybody hates. Mm -hmm. There's like that great scene where like Garrity starts to starts to like needle him a little bit, even though he's like admitted that he like doesn't want to die hated. Like Garrity starts to be a little cruel to him and then ultimately goes crazy and like rips his own throat out. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Barkovich. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is a
2: thing. Like I do like the fact that like throughout most of the violence, at least from what I remember that he writes, like maybe he, uh, maybe he himself is examining this thing of you, you started reading this book because you, because you wanted right. to hear about it, you wanted to right. hear the story. But I'm not going to let you off from the horror. This isn't just going to be like a a song and dance, feel good about yourself kind of thing. Like this is you're going to feel how bad mm-hmm. this. Is, you know what I mean? Right. Totally.
1: No, for sure. Um, and uh, and that just goes to his talent and why I consider this his first masterpiece is because you have a character like Barkovich who's loud and boisterous and cruel. He's a bully, mm-hmm. and like he directly causes the death of uh one of the the other contestants and uh and that's why everybody turns on him because you know i forgot what he, he trips him or something i think he does it by accident he's fucking with him and he accidentally trips him and and causes causes him to, to die or whatever and the fact that he has that moment where he says i don't want people to hate me you know is is so mature in such a uh uh a gray, you know, uh, character, uh, a character stroke, I guess, for yeah. for King to have made as a freshman in college, you know what I mean? it's like you know for for him to to have that moment of like, yeah, this guy is easily the you know the 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 dude we're all supposed to hate and to be looking forward to his death. and then when it comes, the way he gives it to us, as he said, doesn't let us let us off the hook and implicates us in <clears throat> being just like the people lining up and watching them. Uh, you know go through these towns you know selling watermelon slices and yeah. selling merchandise and profiting off of it and you know a lot of the people there going you know i w- maybe one of these people will get their their third ticket or whatever they call it um you know while i'm here and i get to see it with my own eyes you know it's like uh it, it's it's a way more mature book than i would have anticipated anybody being able to write it a uh, as a freshman in, in
0: college oh absolutely
1: yeah
2: Another little bona fide uh, one thing that I also love about Stephen King, and again, we love every anything and everything that comes from Maine, right? Uh, <laughs> Except for Susan Collins. I, I felt with the people that are watching the Long Walk is they are all super behind him. Um, uh-huh. Like the very fact that I got excited about the 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 stretch of two hundred two between Augusta and <laughs> and Reedfield. Uh, and all those towns like Orono and Beasley, like that's like, that's where I went to college. And then that little stretch of Augusta and Winthrop is right where I grew up. Um, Garrity is a reasonably common name. So like, if you are a mainer reading this, you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah, buddy. I know a Garrity fucking, <laughs> you know, fucking Brian Garrity. He was a freshman when I was a senior, buddy. He was the next big thing playing fuck basketball thousand yeah. points score bud. He was, uh, he was unbelievable.
0: Um, <laughs> Yeah, like there are a lot of Garrity's out there. Here's my final question for you. Okay. What is your interpretation of the ending of this story? Vespi and I have gone back and forth on this mm. uh, on this uh, on the show before. Um, I haven't, you know, again, I didn't reread before we recorded this one. So I'm not willing to mount an argument while it's not <laughs> fresh in my mind. But I do know I do believe I that faith, it's
2: open. to you that you will be able to do that.
0: I, well, we'll see. Um, I, I feel like it's open to interpretation to some <laughs> degree. So I'm curious, what do you think happens in the final pages of the story?
2: I, I'm kind of mad you asked this question because I, yes. as soon as I read the ending, I was like, I don't know what that means. And I hope they don't ask me about it. And, uh, and here so, we are. <laughs> so and here we are. But feet to the fire, feet mm-hmm. to the fire uh Two things, number one is is that if he did write this in college and I don't get it, then possibly his fault because he didn't write it well enough for me <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I'm, the first thing I'm gonna do is shift blame to him <laughs> second thing um the second thing I'm gonna do is say that uh so like the the things that happen are like he, like uh, Stebbins dies without mm-hmm. He just falls over and dies.
3: Yeah.
1: You,
2: so he is one and he just kind of keeps walking past the major and he sees the, he sees like the sort of like the black figure off in the distance and he just kind of mm-hmm. keeps walking toward it. I, God, I don't exactly know, but like my first guess is just like that thing of like, yeah, you won, but you're never shaking this you're never Mm going to shake this whether or not you're the guy who has a brain aneurysm and wins the long walk and then dies a week later you you're just dead now and however long it takes like you're never going to be able to shake that off you're always in a way going to be like walking Uh, you're always going to be on it Mm -hmm. is that something
0: i mean it's a valid interpretation
2: it's the yeah. best I got. It's the best <laughs> I got in in the, in this moment,
0: and yeah, I also fair. again
2: caveat: very stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think it's stupid. I think it's a, a totally valid, right. uh, you know, reading of of what happens in that moment. Um, All right, and again, uh, I can't mount a a defense or an argument for what I believe because it's been a minute since I read this one, yeah. but. Eric what was my argument before You in, you interpret that as death right that the figure yes. was death yes. and yes. He, yes. he he dies that's it,
1: and that's that's um and I don't disagree that he dies at some point I I think especially now when we're considering how how tied to the Vietnam allegory this is mm-hmm. um I think that it's maybe a little bit more. I, well, I mean, I, I still feel like this is it, it was more uh, always about like there's always, you know, he's always on this this path now. He's always walking. and But yeah. if you look at it through the Vietnam allegory, it is, you know, you can look at it as PTSD like he's always, yeah. you know, those those mm-hmm. guys, in, you know, Vietnam are always going to be in the shit. You know, and for him, he's always walking. Wh- whether he dies at that moment is immaterial. Like he could live another, you know, forty years, fifty years, and and he's always still going to see the people beckoning him. Because I think my interpretation of it was that, like, he still thinks the that there's one more left, and he has to beat one yes. more person. Yeah, and he uh, and yeah. It has, to, he, so he can't he can't stop, and that's why he start he breaks out into a run. I think is the one of the final. Yes. Things and and he he runs there now, Scott. It could very well be that we're both right, and that you know the figure he's seeing is death. And like two paragraphs after the story ends, he he face plants, and you know just like
0: Stebbins, right, right. Um, Yeah, it's definitely not explicit. Um, I I think that 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 was my reading of it, and I'll stand by it. Uh, I think that he's he's running towards it, but he's running towards death so yeah. yes he dies you know and and i think that that is probably the cruelest interpretation possible of the same thing that the guy made it but you know he's either gone insane or right. you know um well he's gone insane and- well, there, there
1: is no real interpretation of this as a happy ending. Um, no, I, no. He wins, he gets his life's desire, he can make his family rich, he can, you know, do right by, by you know, some of the friends he made along the way and do right by their families, because there's some that are even have, like, you know, young wives and, and like, a baby and, and shit that they all, like, promised whoever wins will take care of them and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I know that it's easy to go, Oh, well it was all bullshit. Kind of like what they do in the running man movie. Like there are no real winners. Like if you win, you just get carted off and killed off screen. You know, um, you know, even if taking everything at face value and you win this, you get everything you want for the rest of your life. I think the whole point is that almost nobody makes it to the end and will be the, the same person they are at the beginning. You know, that's yeah. kind mm-hmm. of the whole point, point of all this. So like you get it, like, you
2: get everything you always wanted But what you really want is to not have seen 99 people killed in front of
3: you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And
2: and going even further into that out, like the Vietnam thing, like the idea that like they start becoming friends. Yeah. Like there are, it, it makes sense. And like, you could like, a some people like find the camaraderie, but then the camaraderie becomes harder and then they have to make a pact. Like you're not going to help, even though we all have to make a pact that you're not going to help one another. But like some people went into it being like, I'm not going to make friends because that means that it's going to be harder, but there's kind of no way to avoid it. And then so, yeah.
1: And Garrity wouldn't, wouldn't have uh, made it himself if if he hadn't had people looking out for him, you know, it's, it's a uh, yeah. It's a great, complex, complicated story, and all these yeah. people they're they're in a a life or death battle, and everybody who dies before them is pushing them closer to them not dying themselves. So you can have feelings and you know bond with these people around you, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, if they don't die, you do, right? And so that's mm. such a a complicated thing. It's why I love this story so much. I've I've read it like half a dozen times. I'll probably read another half a dozen times before I I follow my own dark uh figure at the end of the path. <laughs> um uh but yeah, no. This is this is an all-timer for me. This is like absolutely one of my favorites and and I'm absolutely I know that people have tried. I'm s- fucking just beyond shocked that nobody's adapted this yet. This is such an yeah. easy win. It's like an easy three-pointer here. It's I mean, easy relative, you can fuck any good material uh, up, but it's like, it's not something that it's not like the dark tower where if you're going to make it and do it right, you have to invest hundreds of millions of dollars. Like this is something that you could do at a, you know, a a Darabont style, you know, $20 million budget and easy. You know, it get the get great actors. There's so many great characters. You could get the best of the best, find new stars, get some good older stars in there, you know, for like the major and whatever. Everything is is like in the story is set up. It's so cinematically written. You know, I'm I'm shocked. I'm just absolutely floored well, that that it hasn't happened yet.
0: I mean, you know, Andre Overdahl is supposed to be doing it. Allegedly. Yeah, but that was
1: announced three fucking years ago. I mean, obviously I know. Yeah, had, but he's been it. on
0: he's been on Last Voyage of the De, uh, Demeter for well,
1: well, yeah. I mean. We'll he, see he had a clear. He had a clear pathway to, to make it happen. And something got in the way. I don't know what I the, behind imagine, the story is, but I uh, would
0: imagine it's the subject matter. And in, in fact, if, if he does make this movie, I think it goes straight to streaming. There's no way this gets a theatrical release. No,
2: Not if, well, hmm. here's, here's, I don't want to be, I don't want to blaspheme, uh, any, anyone on a Stephen King podcast, but, <laughs> I I don't, and again, uh, this isn't really true. This is hyperbolic, but there has never been a good film adaptation of a Stephen King book outside of The Shining, but mm. that was also one that he didn't what? like.
0: What about Misery?
2: Oh, shit. No, you're right. Misery yeah. Or Stand, Stand By, by me. me, or
0: Shawshank Redemption, or Shawshank Green, Green Mile, Mile yeah. or... 1408
2: is you know what so look i'm very
0: very well
2: but i
3: guess
2: when i say that what i'm thinking of is like the the horror i guess carrie was pretty good um yeah wow i'm fucking super wrong about that maybe it's just because
0: the bad ones are so bad but well you know what i'll tell you what dude you know, we've we, it, it, when we started this podcast, it, it's been a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we started, I'd seen probably I'm going to say half of the Stephen King adapt, adaptations out there. And and I know what you mean. A lot of them are are trash. You know, uh, we need look no further than Canada's trucks. Uh, but also um, what I've discovered in doing this show is like a lot of them are better than they get credit for.
3: You know, if you're if you're
0: separating yourself from an opening weekend or the critics reviews or or any of that shit, like Sleepwalkers is a great example of this. The predominant opinion uh, when when that movie came out, I remember being like, this movie sucks. Mm -hmm. And I remember it being kind of a joke. And then it was on HBO all the time. And I watched it because I was horny and I was a little kid and I wanted to see to But (laughs) but now I'm like, I've seen that movie three or four times now since We've started doing the show. I I'd like it more every fucking time. Right. So you know, my opinion has softened on some of these things because there's so much you have to take into into to context on them. Mm-hmm. There's absolute. There are definitely fucking trash Stephen King adaptations oh, out yeah. there. But um,
1: Dreamcatcher, thinner,
0: yeah, Cell, yep. Oh Jesus, Cell, yeah. the <laughs> uh, TV version of the Langoliers. Oh my lord. Yeah, we uh it's a rough one. Nah. Yeah. We uh but, we screened an, an alternate version of that at Fantastic Fest last year and had Bronson Pinchot fucking uh zoom in for oh, the uh for the Q&A after. It. Oh, he's a delight that fucking guy. Um just just the the best. And I grew up with balky so that was like a oh, real yeah. moment for me. And Fuck I remember yeah.
2: being in the Langoliers watching him being like, "Yeah, he's got some range."
3: He's that's fucking. Yeah,
2: he's the only but, good thing in it. Period. He's swinging he's for it. Yeah, the only, good thing in it. yeah. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that there is a part of me that worries that in order for a film version of the Long Walk to be financially viable in any way, you might have to take out everything that is good about it.
3: Hmm. That's hmm.
2: The, that's my worry: is that you would have to you would have to tone it down in some way. There would have to be some larger thing. Like you couldn't just take what's there and make that. Sure. And Uh, without having something that in a way, like kind of undercuts what's so affecting about it, which is that, holy shit, we all just got to keep fucking walking until Mm. we die.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I could, one, it can be done on a budget. And two, I don't think the material, the subject matter, uh, precludes it i mean we have in a very recent memory saw a whole fucking series you know that made jennifer lawrence's star hunger games which is all about kids fucking killing each other and it's like she wins you know, in the end
0: though right
1: not well. It gets it gets confusing because then it. I only it, saw one of those, it, it gets out of the 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 contest or whatever, and it and it becomes more of a like they're rebels fighting the oppressive yeah. government or whatever. It, more young adulty kind of stuff. But like that first movie in particular, it's all about you know it's battle royale, but you know done with a YA filter. So I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility, and I think it could easily. I mean, listen, some fucking company will invest 15 20 million dollars into making this thing and it'll it'll garner an oscar nomination for you know for one of the kids you know i mean that's how how it would work and they would just look at it like that and it would make its money back it might end up being a runaway success or it might just be a, a break even but you know uh, think- had the rights for a long time andre Overdahl has it now um at least last we heard um
0: I don't it's think it such can exist. Story. I think that yeah. I don't think it's going theatrical. That's my that's my bet. I'll put five bucks on that right now. I can imagine Hulu picking this up or prime or fucking any number of streamers who are who are looking for content and being a little riskier. Um, but I, I cannot imagine, say, Warner Brothers signing up to do this, you know, ultimately very depressing movie with this amount of gun violence towards kids yeah, and then throwing it in a theater. I just, I cannot imagine that I've been wrong before, but I'll, I'll bet against that all day.
3: No,
2: I just want to throw this out there. I don't, and I, I don't know why I did this, but I would just as regards gun violence towards kids, like mm. I, the, the rage being one of the other four stories in the Bachman books that I read right. and was very affected by when I was a kid it did not make me want to, uh, uh I'd kill a teacher, I, right. <laughs> It did not make me want to do that, but, but I found it very affecting. I actually went on eBay and like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I was like trying to recreate my own childhood or something, but I like actually went out and bought one of like the original copies that still had rage in it, even though I wasn't yeah. going to be reading rage. Was that nice. weird?
0: No, 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 no. You're a a little completionist, but yeah. Well, I think we've kept you long enough. We've we we've said uh, close to two hours worth of things about the long walk. (laughs) Uh, So this is let's bring it in for a landing. This is usually the point in the show where we allow our guests to, you know, pitch whatever they're they've got coming up or 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 tease a project or whatever you want to promote. So, uh, Tim, what's that for you?
2: I. you know, I had a great time. I don't want to
0: do that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> are you, but don't you, are you working on anything right now? When oh, yeah. We gonna, when are we going to see you again?
2: Uh, I got some stuff coming up. Like if somebody enjoyed listening to me this much, just like type Timothy Simons into Google or something, you'll find some stuff that's coming up. Um, I would just say like, you know, maybe just go look up live golf and, and, and really educate yourself. On what, <laughs> on what people are doing and saying about it and examine your thoughts on that because we all might be in that situation sooner or later. We all might mm. be given the choice at some point to sell our souls for a truly ungodly amount of money. And at what point, like, we got to start asking ourselves what the dollar amount is.
1: Mm. Yeah, enough. Scott, if if a uh, Saudi Prince came to us and said said a uh, hundred million dollars each and we own the King cast and you work for us now do like, where do your morals stand?
0: I don't have any morals. I would probably, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that I wouldn't do that, but, um, I don't know. That's I, just being honest. Like it's, it would be like a, a thought problem. You would have to work through that. That's more money than I'll ever see in 10 lifetimes. You know, mm-hmm. I could, I could fucking, do the show remotely and do whatever the fuck I want. And I would, you know, I would hate myself, but I, you know, I've been hating myself for years. So <laughs> you know, it's like myself for much less than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, I, I, I want to say like, fuck dead. I would never do that. But like, just honest answer. Like, I don't, I don't honestly know. I would have to, I would have to think about it. It would be a crazy fucking offer. But uh, as long as I With don't get kind of moonsawed in the process, fund,
1: yeah, right. With that kind of money, you can you can uh, fund uh, your own long walk.
0: So there we go. That's true. We could do a little a little charity event, bringing the <laughs> listeners, gun them down one, on. one by one. <laughs> we'll, again, we'll have our 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 top fifty most rabid listeners come in. And and do the long walk, and it'll be Eric and I strolling up and down highway. (laughs)
1: That that's some fucking Mr. Mr. Beast shit going on right there.
0: We
2: Eric, you and
1: I just have to get buzz
2: cuts. Scott will throw on some mirrored sunglasses, and we're good.
0: Boom done. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Tim. Uh, please go read Revival and come back and talk to us about that. Uh, well, we I, f- I
2: actually do promise that I will buy it and read it. This is making me want to go back and <laughs> revisit a lot more Stephen King just because of like, I was like, oh yeah, shit, he's real good and you feel a lot while reading it.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, and his new one, they they sent us copies of his new book the other day. Fairy I Tale. saw that
2: on Twitter that you're like playing the 3d chess of getting.
3: His new- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think we can say anything about it, but I'll, I'll risk that just by saying like, you should look forward to that one. Um, okay, I'm about halfway through it and boy, Oh boy. Um,
1: no, you're burning through. I haven't even gotten a chance to start. So,
0: well, it's fine. I'm probably not going to have a chance to read any more of it for, uh, for a minute for a minute yeah but um revival in the meantime and uh thank you so much for joining us today this was awesome
2: all right guys this is so much fun thank you for having me
1: many thanks to timothy simons for that wonderful discussion Mm -hmm. i love talking about the long walk this is one of my all-time favorite things and i don't know if you remember scott when we first initially started talking about doing the Kingcast as a show uh, you were very focused on adaptations and you are like, I want to only do stuff that we're, that are a- adapted. And in the back of my mind, I was like, but I want to talk about the long walk at some right. point. Right. Uh, and uh, thankfully you got a little bit bendy on your, on your standards from, from <laughs> the initial conversations. To start well, we well. had to
0: baby. We had to, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't do just so just adaptations forever. Something had to give. And uh, I'm glad that we've opened up the floor a little bit on that kind of stuff. And, it's always worth it, especially for any uh, long walk episode that we do. And, and Tim really fucking nailed this. I, I can't wait to have him back. Really yeah, I good. I hope he dude. wasn't
1: bullshitting and he actually did order revival.
0: Oh, I think he did. I think he I did. Think,
1: <laughs> I think every time we recommend it and we sell people, we want to hear your thoughts and maybe you can come back and do an episode. It would be really fun when one time to just do a revival episode. That's just like 18 guests coming <laughs> in to talk about revival at the same time. It'd be like one of our anniversary shows. That would be funny.
0: Yeah, that would also assume that everyone is taking our advice, which I have to assume that some of them are not. But some of them are, you know, David Lowry did. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'd love to have him back. He was a great guest. And uh, I'd interacted with him before, but that was my first uh, lengthy uh, interaction with him. And I I just found him to be a delight. What more could you ask for? Yeah, he was wonderful.
1: And speaking of wonderful guests, we have a pretty good one coming up next week, too. We ready to start teasing what's coming up?
0: Yeah. One that we recorded fucking, I don't even know how long ago now.
1: A while back. Uh, This person is a director whose work that you have absolutely have seen. And he has a movie coming out that is getting all sorts of rave reviews. And I can't wait to see it. Um, And the title that he chose is The Raft.
0: Specifically
1: mm-hmm. the the short story, uh, although we do dive into Creepshow 2 adaptation a uh, whole bunch.
0: This is a very fun episode. Uh, gets into all the kind of questions you might get into while discussing the raft. Um, I don't think anything's changed there, but uh, love talking to this uh, person as well. And also um, really excited to see this movie that they've got coming out.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I heard nothing but great things about it. Uh, I'm sure context clues people will be able to figure out who we're talking about if you kind of look at what's coming out uh, available for, that might be on the geekier side of things next, yeah. uh, next week. But I'll let you do that homework. I'm not going to give you all the answers.
0: You got to do some investigating yourself, babies. Yeah, y'all got to do it. You know, speaking of things getting rave reviews, uh, there is a show on HBO Max right now that I am full on obsessed with. It's only two episodes into its run, and it has already uh, basically established itself as one of the most unforgettable TV shows of the year. It's called The Rehearsal, and it's the new show from Nathan Fielder, who um, some of you will be aware of from his work on Nathan For You, which ran for four seasons on Comedy Central. Uh, I think the last one aired, uh, God, it's got to be four or five years ago now, but. Anyway, the show is fantastic. And if you've been watching it, you are well aware that there is an actress who appears on the first episode of that series, uh, by the name of Gigi Bergdorf or better known to the rehearsal watchers as fake Trish, the dish. (laughs) Um, I was determined for this show to get someone involved with the rehearsal on it and was delighted when I actually got in touch with Gigi and, you know, pitched her on doing the show. And, um, you know, she was all for it. So she's going to be on the Patreon this Friday discussing not only her work on the rehearsal, but also um, Rob Reiner's misery and the novel that inspired it. And we cannot wait. I have plenty of questions for fake Chris <laughs> the dish. I am very excited to to speak with her.
1: Yeah, you're not you're you're not just fronting for for the listeners right now. Like like this is Wampler at his most uh, Chris Farley right now. He's so excited. Oh, I can tell you.
0: I can't wait. We've had a listers on the show that I wasn't as excited to, to talk to <laughs> as fucking Trish fake Trish, the dish. Um, and, and for the love of God, if you have not watched the rehearsal, absolutely drop what you're doing after you finish this podcast and uh, check out the first two episodes of that. And at least the first, so you've seen the one that um, Gigi's on, So right. you, you, you know, familiarize yourself with a little bit for sure. Some of the bizarre fucking questions we're going to have that are actually not that bizarre within the context of the show.
1: To, to put it in a little bit more context, like Scott was like, I have a crazy idea, but you're not going to understand it unless you watch the first episode of the rehearsal. (laughs) And uh, he's right. It's hard to explain to somebody, but once you see it, you know why this is exciting. If you want to make sure you can listen to that episode, uh, make sure to sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the kingcast. Uh, anything in the $6 and over tier will get you that up and, uh, tons of apps. I, I always mean to go in and actually do a count, but I think that we're well over 150, at least by it's now, right?
0: Be. It's gotta be. And yeah. you know what? I'll tell you something else. I want to establish, I want to establish a little bit of a challenge for the, uh, mm. KingCast listeners and for ourselves between yes. now and the end of the year. Here's the challenge. Thousand followers on Patreon. Mm. We're in the we're in the 800 range right now, thereabouts. We can do that. I think we need like a PBS style pledge drive. We got to
1: get Cotet 19 on some more of those tote bags.
0: I don't know. Maybe we got to come up with some horrible things to subject ourselves to. (laughs) If uh, a certain number of signups occurs, Uh, maybe that's something we can explore. But force
1: uh, Vespi to eat some seafood and force Scott Wampler to hold a tarantula.
0: I'll fucking hold tarantulas all day. I'm. <laughs> it's scary, but I'll do it for another <laughs> 200 patrons, man. You know, if, if you're not already signed up for the Patreon, just give it a shot. You know, try the $6 tier. That'll open up virtually everything that isn't the commentaries. Um, Or just go straight to $10 and check out some of the commentaries. It's all fun shit. It's just more of the show, you know, and w- you sign up for it. You're going to have that huge backlog to to pull from. So.
1: Yeah, we get notes and messages all the time from people who signed up. We're like, holy crap, you have so much stuff here. We we yes. try to make the Patreon worth it. There there are some Patreon uh, services people out there that, you know, they kind of treat it as like, oh, here's like a little little side thing, you know, quickie 10 minute thing to to appease the people to give them money. Like we we kind of pride ourselves in in doing full episodes of the show and in the. Uh, giving the quality content over there, even though I hate that fucking word, but, uh, (laughs) but it is quality. I can, I can vouch for that. I am very proud of the Patreon episodes.
0: It is none of those $20 or 20 minute bonus episodes over there. Now these are full length covering every last goddamn nook and cranny in the (laughs) Seven King universe. Uh, Some of them are real niche for just that reason, but that's kind of part of the fun of it. Hell yeah. Um, So if if you're not already uh, signed up, give it a shot. And if you are already signed up, please
1: uh, tell a friend. All right. So stay tuned for Gigi this Friday on our Patreon, talking about misery. And next week we will be back with our mystery director guest friend and uh, talking about the raft on the main feed.
0: See you then, folks.
1: Bye. The Kingcast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted and created by Eric Vespey. That's me. And Scott Wampler. Tira Andley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art
3: director, and editing is done by yours truly.